Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> you made the Jesus team. You made the Jesus team. Welcome to Coffee, Rants, and All Things Christian with the Parkview Pastors. My name is David Harris, and joining me as always is Daniel Morris, John Seth Samuels, Skylar Teal, Hello. and Mike Tatum. Well, that intro was a little anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah just a little bit. Is Daniel here? I'm hear here. Okay. <laughs> I brought in something interesting. I've already tried this, uh, but I'm not going to tell you all how I feel about it yet until you all try it. It's a Reese's Potato oh, Chips. Oh, hang on. I, I feel like the coffee was like come first. Hey, oh, you think because, so? Well... It might mess up the coffee if we yeah, have sweet stuff yeah, I mean, and then coffee. Gonna, if we're gonna, that's a good point, Daniel. Oh, let's do that. If we're let's, taste the coffee. Let's taste the coffee first. I'll let Daniel tell you a little bit about it, and then and then we'll do that. All of you, all of you, enjoy it while I talk about it. Um, this coffee is from Black and White Coffee. Um, I stumbled across them in Wake Forest uh, last week, and uh, it's really fantastic. So I got a cortado, which is uh, is an espresso drink <laughs> with uh, a one to one ratio of milk right. to espresso, and. Uh, so the cinnamon smell, as soon as they handed it to me, is what you know, made it really interesting mm-hmm. for me. They also, I also got like a, a more uh, normal coffee uh, drink there, just a pour over. That was also fantastic. But this one was just too interesting not to Absolutely. pick up a bag. And I will say, Daniel was making a, a Chemex of this in our office. And I like walked into the room and was just immediately greeted with the most amazing cinnamon smell. <laughs> Like home, it was so good. <laughs> so this is a this is a um, let's see, it's Carlos Plazas is the is the like the name of the the roast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cinnamon anaerobic process, which uh, they actually co ferment the coffee with cinnamon tea, like as a part of the processing uh, of it. So so they they co ferment it with cinnamon tea, and then then it's dried. So uh, an interesting process there but it really gives it a, a very strong cinnamon uh scent but not as not so much uh flavor Taste, right yeah it's not overwhelming no it's there but it's not as much mm-hmm. as you would think after you smell the coffee are all are all coffees fermented no okay no, no this is that the anaerobic part of the of the processing is is because that's yeah okay because that's the distinction in the taste is the fermentation, which you are you have not, not been a fan, fan of. Right? That's correct. Yeah, because this couple. is very much like methodical. Yes. Yes. Okay. It is. Yep. Which, oh, I forgot about methodical. Yeah. Mm. Now I like. I think I like this better than methodical. Mm-hmm. But I'm again. I don't know that this would be a go-to or everyday coffee for me because no. it's uh, because it it has that it has. I was I was calling it vinegar last time. Right. Fermentation. Right. Fermented is a better description. Yeah. Of this coffee, mm-hmm. it's so smooth. It, it was it smooth. Is. I'm sorry. What was it? It was. What were the other tasting notes? Uh, you tell me. What I I do taste cinnamon. It's almost mine's. I was thinking like cinnamon apple. Yeah, cinnamon apple. apple. So they their yeah. t- tasting notes are crisp apple, brown sugar, and cinnamon toast. John Seth. See, John Seth. It's. I know buttery would be a weird way to describe coffee, but. It almost seems fitting for this coffee yeah. to me. It's really interesting. That might just be the, Dude, that is the so good. I don't know about the taste, but like the smoothness. Of yes. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, good job on the pour over, Daniel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It tastes phenomenal. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is smooth. 
I'm just not. I, I just. You don't can know. tell that. Like, I want to like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I, mean, so, that's, yeah. I want to like this. Yeah. So the other coffee that I had from them was uh, I don't I don't even know what which roast it was, but it it was an everyday mm-hmm. drink kind of right. coffee. Okay, um, but this was just. I, yeah, I had just never had anything like this. Yeah, I don't know. This would this would not be like a morning coffee for me, like an everyday morning coffee. Mm-hmm. This would be an afternoon kind of kind of pick me up. They kind of label yeah. it as a dessert coffee. Yeah, I could, I could, the yeah. cinnamon and the sweetness yep. behind it. Yeah. This would be a good. This with coffee. like a pastry would be heaven. Well, let's <laughs> just try this. <laughs> oh, <man>. oh yeah, <laughs> with uh, the surprise That's a la right. David. Yes. So they're gonna try this Reese's potato chips. We'll see how it, see how it stacks up. By the way, this was my second coffee from Black and White. <laughs> yeah, they had a holiday special blend over Christmas that I ordered, and it was also absolutely incredible. So I'm not sure how many men I've shared a Reese's cup with. John said, <laughs> "This is weird." Anything is possible. Oh, I love this. I don't want all of that. What's your thoughts, John said? I love it. It adds a crunch to it. Uh huh. But I'm also the same guy that puts Doritos on a mayonnaise no, sandwich. Okay, you're right. After that, I'm kind of glad we aren't videoing this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys just have a moment? <laughs> Did we just, we become just, we just had a moment. moment over a Reese's. We lost eyes as we... <laughs> All according to plan. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah, I could eat these, dude. What, what's your thoughts, Daniel? That's fantastic. Yeah, mm. I can eat this all day. I'm good. Yes, from everybody. Yes, <laughs> but it's it's crunchy. It's crunchy, so I don't want I don't want to like see Daniel start beating his head against the wall on the other side of the room. Here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you were grinding coffee in the office, I started chewing that. I'm gonna I'm have to give me that was special. Ice. Yeah, I was actually more skeptical than than you guys because my my family had this at dinner one time, and I was like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. But I took like I took a bite, and I was super impressed. So wanted to see what you guys thought. That's better than the chips and mustard sandwich. What, what oh, no, sandwich no, no, no. were you talking about? Uh, Do- nacho cheese Doritos and mayonnaise. mayonnaise sandwich. I don't. You know, I went home understand. and told Judy about that. She's like, I would probably like that. <laughs> I'm like, who am I married to? <laughs> what is wrong with you? You know, I went Me. home. <laughs> you know, I went home and told Emily about that, oh, and no. she was like, "What the heck is he thinking?" <laughs> Brittany's been telling me it's disgusting ever since I met her. So, well, that's just because, like, on a sandwich, like, of course, I like Doritos. Like on a sandwich, I like, I, don't, I like to put like chips on a sandwich. I'll add chips to a sandwich. It's I like the same like thing. I've just never done. I've never put chips on a sandwich. Like, oh, I, really? I, I mean, there's nothing Ooh. wrong with it. Bologna, I know what this Dorito needs. Bologna, bologna, that's bologna, 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 bologna sandwich, sandwich, like a bologna with some bologna mustard cheese on there with, uh, okay. with chips. Yeah, I was willing to or, try it. Or tuna, went with that tuna fish with chips on it. Gives a little bit of tuna fish. Oh, my egg salad. I don't oh know my what God. What do you even eat sandwiches? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Ham and Good Swiss, sandwiches. turkey and provolone. I mean, oh pulled pork sandwich. There are plenty not, of other yes. options. Yes. That's the thing. You don't have to settle for bologna. And or tuna fish. Well, yes. well, 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 nobody's I will intentionally and purposely buy bologna. Amen. Come on. I don't understand. Amen. Man. I know times are tough, but it's just not <laughs> yeah. worth it, man. Yeah. It's them gas prices, man. Yeah. Makes you buy bologna. Yeah. I will not stoop that low. <laughs> David's like, I'll starve. I'll st- I will starve before I eat bologna. I mean, there's peanut butter and jelly, guys. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, I don't think oh, chips also, would go good on that. No, so. I've, I've I've had like Lay's, just regular Lay's. With my peanut butter and jelly, and jelly sandwich. sandwich, I will Did we have Doritos, Doritos. On, on the side. So, I mean, yeah, just, just combine them, maybe. 
All right. I don't know, man. Sure, yeah. Just we mix just it all up in a bucket. That's <laughs> Do you guys yeah, like you dipping your French fries in a milkshake, like that kind I, of thing? No, I like eating French fries with a milkshake, but I don't dip. I'm not. A, I'm not really a, a not a dipper. A huh? Dipper. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dip like cookies in milk. Really? No. Okay. Wow. Um, I don't. Oh, and and like a because in Miami it, it's a Cuban thing to dip Cuban bread into your café con leche and eat it that way. And I've I've never I never developed that hmm. uh, that taste. I've never tried it, but I will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I I, I feel very like no. You gotta have some good, meat on the side. It's gotta have meat on it. That see that you was know? my thing. I mean, I'm I'm you're. Yeah, you're just adding mayonnaise and bread to yeah. tomatoes. So, yes. were you now, saying you, you would put tomato, uh, like a tomato sandwich with that on mm, it? Like, if you like tomato sandwiches, like Judy likes tomato sandwiches, so she would probably throw some chips on yeah. it. Yeah. I think there are only two sandwiches I like that don't have meat on them peanut butter and jelly, obviously. Right. But I like a banana and peanut butter sandwich. Yes, I'm with you. But banana I think that's it. Like, I've never had that either. Now, I would probably put lay, like regular lays on a banana and peanut butter sandwich. You've done that before? No, but oh. that sounds like something that would yeah. be. Edifying. <laughs> Edifying, huh? <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Edible. Sanctifying. <laughs> Sanctifying also. Maybe. Yeah. Remember these chapters we just read about how sin corrupts everything? <laughs> Here's your example. Not yet. Yes. Yeah. Hold that thought for our uh, doctrine discussion. So I did try my new tasting strategy here yeah. under the tongue, you said. Yes. And, uh, A little bit. It, it, I, I, Certainly can taste it, but I taste it longer, which I don't like. Oh, <laughs> it stays okay. with you a little longer. It does. Do you, see, do, you, do you not like the taste of this? No, this this coffee was intriguing to me. Yeah. yeah. That's a good word. I don't, I mean, I definitely could taste it, and I, I'd certainly get the smooth aspect of it, but. Mm-hmm. Did you get the It's getting colder taste? now, and I don't love that. Yeah. But. Well, we'll move to our banter topic. Um, we've got just a few questions to answer. But bef- before we get into answering questions, I would just like to tell specifically John Seth, who's an advocate for the Hogwarts sorting hat quizzes. I think they're trash because after our discussion last podcast about I thought I was Gryffindor, I took the quiz and got Hufflepuff. And in my disbelief, I retook the quiz and got Hufflepuff. And I was like, oh, that's wild. And then I... T- Took it again and got Ravenclaw, and then I took it again and got Gryffindor. Just you know to see how consistent it was. You spent way no, more time dude. on this than I did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, see what you did was you started to change your answers as you took it because you were tired of getting Hufflepuff. Mm. Do you remember last so, podcast when he said there, the questions you can't? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right. right. He said you yeah, can't. Yeah, but you did. You, he, le- he said you, you start, cannot manipulate. You started these clicking quizzes. the opposite ones, didn't? So it? I've got this no. note. Yeah, you did. I've got this this note from a, a longtime listener of the of the podcast. Uh, about our last podcast. Emma. Room full of Hufflepuffs pretending they're oh. Gryffindor. Uh, period. I hate you, that Jeff. That sounds like something pathetic. I would say. Period. Pathetic. pathetic. I'm pathetic. So what is Jeff? That a whole conversation was pathetic. That's what Jeff is, is a Hufflepuff. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. See, you guys said Hufflepuffs were fine, and now you're making jokes about Hufflepuffs. I, I don't feel very good about my Hufflepuffs. <laughs> I know. They're, sorry you're not it's a Gryffindor. It's I agree. I, yeah. and I'm, not, I'm not buying the whole... Oh, Slytherin is really cool and clever thing either. <laughs> They're a bunch of obnoxious jerks in the movie. So thank you very much. <laughs> See, Huffle, like, of course, Connie I was, was trying told. to say, like, Hufflepuffs are fine. And then she got Hufflepuff, and her and immediate like, reaction was like, ah, 
Like, yes. Okay. So thanks a lot. I was trying to think like you know hardworking, loyal, and obviously when she got Hufflepuff, she was very upset about it's it. It's when so someone gets there's a something con- people aren't telling me. It's when someone gets like a consolation prize and they're like, oh, that's really right. Yeah, right. that's really good. Right. Hey, yeah, yeah. you still loser. get to be at Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah fair. True. I, I was told by a listener that I was a Slytherin and I should just own it. And, then, <laughs> so, and I think I was told that by someone who would consider herself a Slytherin yes. as well. So huh. mm. yes. You know, there's there's worse things than being the the Dark Lord. You know, right? That's <laughs> true. So if Star Wars was going to have a yeah. Sorting Hat and assign <laughs> assign a character to everyone, does that make me Darth Vader? Hmm. No, because he turns good at the end. That's awesome. Oh man! So I'm the Sith in Episode Three. Yeah, you're the Sith. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think that's the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. All right, I don't, right. Know. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. The first, uh, first actual question is: What did you think was cool when you were young, but it's cringy now? The and- mullet. Ooh. Oh, uh, cringy. <laughs> is that? Yeah, cringy? I'm going to go out on a limb and make everybody who listens to this angry. But yes, it was cool in the '80s. Not so much now. I never thought it was cool. Oh, okay. Hmm. It is cringy, for sure. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's more cringy than a mullet. Have you seen a skullet? My brother had oh a skullet. Oh, my gosh. That Dude. is the cringiest it hairstyle. Is, it's bald from here I never thought that yeah. cool. to, like, here, and then it's just, like, a long, flowing mm, mullet. Awful. Yeah. That, I don't know that I ever thought that was cool. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful. No. Cool when you were young, but cringe now. Hmm. So I've got, I've got something for you. Now, this, now I'm, I'm being specific here. Uh, kids' cartoons uh, like Transformers or G.I. Joe, uh, like from the 80s, uh, they all had to have a, like a segment that was like teaching or, you know, uh, oh, no. or don't litter or, right. you know, something like that. Some kind of character Save building. Those, those little pieces of the show, because, you know, because of the, the censorship laws were like required and they were awful. Like you watch those now and it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> now they were great cartoons. But, right. But that's why government should stay out of our cartoons. Amen. I agree. I got it. Veggie Tales. <laughs> Is that cringe now? I despise Veggie Tales. How about the Left Behind series? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never thought oh, yeah. Or the books. Cool. Yeah. I, I read the books. Yeah. And oh, yeah. They were too. cool at one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of the kids now. series, kids series left behind books. Oh wow. yeah, man. Yikes. Skinny Easy. jeans. We just alienated half of our audience. <laughs> skinny jeans know. were never cool. I used to wear skinny jeans all the time. I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh man. Or Tom's. Jeff, I don't want to hear it from you, Jeff. <laughs> Are Tom's cringy now? Tom's like yeah. the shoes. Yeah. No. No. no, I don't know. They would be like cringe. Status now, the dad. But I mean, cringe. I have them, so I should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked because fun. I was I was thinking about getting Come another on, pair. <laughs> yeah. The dab, the dab is really cringy. Mm. <laughs> it is. <laughs> wow, David. I thought wow. you did it ironically, Johnson. Cool. <laughs> no, this ain't offended me. I just, <laughs> I just dabbed. He just In learned the dab, David. But it was ironic. <laughs> <laughs> no, David. You didn't view this the same way. Yeah, this is awkward. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, it's I okay. mean, 
How young are we wanting to go? Because like looking back at like Barney and Blue's Clues, it's like, oh yeah, like those guys were like Barney, big purple dinosaur. Kind of Barney's awesome. Oh, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I like yeah, Blue's Clues. Kinda... What are you talking about? Blue's Clues. Steve I mean, well, the back, guy dude. was he came back. It was kind of cringy. That's what I was he made a comeback. Mm. Tell the second chances. Oh, yes. Teletubbies. Yeah, I never, weird, I never got man. into Teletubbies. And, oh, that was hmm. weird. Oh, those, those were weird guys. You know, it was cringe. The Harlem Shake. And what, what was the one where people had to stand like they were statues? Mannequin challenge. Bro. Mannequin Come challenge. Come on, dude. Did you live at all? <laughs> I did all these things. I'm just saying in hindsight, things, those things are cringy. I've got yeah. two of those on video. That's awesome. I mean, your high school, your high school video, high school lip dub. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. At one point, Crocs were cool. <laughs> Crocs were cool. Then they got cringy, and then they made a comeback. Yes, because and now they're cool again. Because yes. of Post Malone, Post Malone partnered with Crocs, and that's when they started soaring again. It's like cargo pants. Mm. Sheesh. They the, were cool. The, then the they got plaid cringe. shorts, jean shorts. <laughs> Not afraid. Those were amazing. Shorts. <laughs> He still has some of this. <laughs> sorry, John. Sorry, sorry. So, if you could have dinner with any living person, currently alive person in the world, who would it be? Judy Tatum. Oh, oh I know, I know. I have to say that first, right? Okay. Yeah. What? Ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany you had some points. <laughs> yeah, Emily. that's my that's my mo though. <laughs> yeah. Three steps forward, two yeah. steps back. Currently alive. Mm-hmm. David Beckham. Mm. That'll be consistent for me. Soccer guy, right? I'm sorry I, for asking I, that. I was going to ask him that was. <laughs> it is soccer guy, guy right? It, We're all never dead. been we more. We are dead to John Yeah, Seth. I've never been more, like, just sad. You've <laughs> never at least heard of, like, Bendit, like, like, Beckham, the movie? Like, there's a movie. Yes. Yeah. You I've never heard of that. that David Beckham. Beckham at, le- at the very least. I get like, him mixed up with that famous snowboarder for some reason. You know Sean White? Yeah, Sean White. Sean White, David Beckham. Huh. When I hear How David do you Beckham, get those two? I don't know. But when I hear David Beckham, my mind goes to like snowboarder, right? Yeah. yeah. It's he Sean married, White, Sean White and Carrot Top, maybe. Yeah, they're exactly. like, I don't know what Carrot Top I, is. That's still a, a stretch, but... He's a, a, you don't know who Carrot Top is. He was, was a, sorry, a comedian that was cool, but is now cringe. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I'm so sorry, John Seth. You should expound on why you chose David Beckham. He's because one of the maybe greatest. Maybe we'll care more if he. Keeps yeah, you, you're not going to care. That's why I hesitated to say in the first place. <laughs> he's one of like the most successful soccer players ever. Outside of he, when he retired, he still is successful. Man, I, that's t- this is tough for me because there are a couple of couple of names kind of floating around. But Elon Musk would be cool to have a conversation. That would with that'd be crazy. And if he listens to this podcast, hey Elon. We all want Starlink, Elon. <laughs> I want the Tesla, man. Sorry, yeah, I think about Teslas. I'll take uh, George Lucas and Dave Filoni. Oh, oh nice. yes, nice. Is in wait, that order. If I have to just pick one, George Lucas, Dave Filoni would be hype. I like John Favreau. He was good in Friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of like actor, actress, or like in the sports world or something like that, and I can't. Tom Brady. No. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Why? He just seems like a solid dude. I follow my, my Instagram. Okay, Chris Hemsworth in Thor or Chris Hemsworth in 
No, like the end game. <laughs> no, like <laughs> the person Thor. Chris, so, Chris Hemsworth, I, not Thor. The person Thor. I want to say like one of my favorite musicians, but musicians are usually awkward, so it probably wouldn't even be that great. So I'm gonna go with Chris Pratt because I just think he would be oh, amazing. That's yes. a good one. That would be fun. You know who's a good cool conversation. Musician wise, it's like Stevie Wonder or something like that. Yeah, that would be kind of fun. That would be awesome. Be cool. Lionel Richie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, well, yeah. I've seen him on American Idol. He can hold conversation. Okay. So that'd be nice. If I'm if I'm going for a musician, Paul McCartney. That's a good choice. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I think I'd sit down with Chance the Rapper and have lunch with him. Okay. What about like? I don't want to say celebrity, but like well known preacher. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Well, I was trying to think in the realm of like before Ozzy Sproul died or something like that would be right. A cool yeah. I'm trying to think of like that. Mine's easy. So what is yours? Mine's David Platt. Platt, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good choice. Or, I'm just always Orland would be up there oh, for me. David, I think that would be right. fun. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Chandler would be up there. Ever since T for Gene, Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg. Yeah, Alistair Begg. Good choice. That'd be good. a lot I of these being funny good, too. Yeah, yeah. Like Ligon yeah. Duncan or uh, Mark Dever. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. out of all of those, I think I think Alistair Begg would be would be the guy out of all of those. Probably be the most fun. We had to pick. Yeah. I might need closed captioning at times because of the accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, Paul David Tripp's nerdy enough that I would have a great time yeah. having dinner with him. Mm-hmm. So here's a, here's a question. Have you ever sent a text message to the wrong person? Or yes. have you ever had a bad typo in a text? Yes. Yes. I, I don't want to talk about either of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a story. I was, uh, um, I was at my house throwing throwing stuff in my trash can it got you know when it gets full but you know there's you can push it down to make more room in your trash can where but i pushed down to to make more room for stuff and i pushed down on a cat food can that like cut my hand pretty bad it was, it was pretty bad like it's bleeding everywhere so i took a picture of it and sent it to emily oh man i wish i remember exactly what i said but i said something really sarcastic and funny like how like oh this is great like with a bunch of like smiley faces like super ironically and i accidentally sent it to steve kirby the director of the florida worship choir and orchestra and uh here's the thing uh like three days after that i was supposed to play with the florida worship orchestra and he was counting on me because i was filling in on electric guitar and he responded back like oh no like are you not going to be able to play like well and i was like he probably thinks i'm really crazy i just am a bunch of smiley faces about how great <laughs> oh my day was and it's a picture of like blood everywhere <laughs> and i was like steve i'm really sorry i thought i sent this to my wife i'll be there on friday yeah. wrong guy but but it worked yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, exactly. well we'll move straight into our uh doctrine series for the week this week we're discussing the doctrine of sin again the, the doctrine itself and then how it applies to our lives this is a this is really a Man, this is a tough. This was a hard read. It was. Oh yeah. Because on every page, we're just reminded of of how how not just how sinful we are, but the impact of that sin in every aspect of our lives. Um, but but the doctrine of sin, for me anyway, really really has has worldview implications. Um, there are theological implications naturally, and we're gonna we'll talk about those. But the, but the impact on our worldview uh, with regard to the doctrine of sin, and, and it really is what differentiates philosophical thought even 
in, in the world that, that we live in. Um, because if, if you think about it, there are two schools of thought. Um, one is a, a more of a secular school of thought that basically believes that we are born inherently good. Um, and if we just had the right nature, if we had the right nurture, if we had the right amount of education, if we lived in the right space, in the right community, then we would just be fine. And everything would be good and everyone would get along. And we'd sing Kumbaya and sit around campfires every week, every night, you know, and, and, um, and, and if that's the case, if that's how we view the world, then, then we, we think that there are worldly systems and solutions that can be applied that will help us get rid of things like war and, and infighting and conflict and all of that stuff. And, uh, the other side of that is this idea that sin is a real thing, that we are inherently born sinful, that we are inherently born selfish, um, which is why I, I love the way Trip ties in the concept of, of selfishness as being embedded in the, uh, in the DNA of, of our sinful nature. Um, and, and if we understand that, then, then we begin to realize, you know what, if everybody is this way, not just Western Americans, which a lot of the world just blames you know, Westernism on everything that's wrong in the world, but it's sin that is prevalent throughout the world uh, that has, that has permeated every aspect of every life and every people group. Um, then, then, then you can begin to understand why um, there's so much hatred and division and, and those kind of things, because we're inherently born into that. Um, and, and that is what creates wars and, and all this, this other stuff. It, it's, it, it all, it all stems from a simple nature. So, so I say that, because there are in, and I'll just use one example in politics, for example, in foreign policy, there, there's a, how you view the world and how we view our nature uh, will determine what kind of foreign policy we're going to pursue. Um, there's this, this one idea that says we're all really inherently born good. So if we're just nice to those people, they'll like us and they'll be nice back to us. Um, there's another side that says we are all sinfully depraved and selfish and want what's not ours, want what doesn't belong to us. Therefore, there are going to be some things that there's going to be some conflict over and we have to be ready. We have to be ready for that conflict. And so, so how you view human nature is going to, is going to kind of seep into, um, into how you view the world. And if you're in political leadership and those kind of things, it's going to view how you're going to interact with the world and other people groups around you. You're either going to, you know, go conquer or you're going to appease. I mean, that was, that was the difference in, in World War II between some of the leaders there. Some were, they just wanted to appease Hitler. Others needed to, knew that they needed to defend. Others needed to conquer, wanted to conquer. And, and, and so uh, uh, what we believe about human nature really drives more than what I think we realize. Yeah. And, and I think Tripp does a really good job in the doctrine of sin of pulling some of that out and, yeah. and, uh, and just, just kind of laying that out there for us. The fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that really mean? And then what does that really mean for us as we try to live through this life? And so I, I again, it's a, nobody likes to talk about sin uh, because nobody wants to be told that they're doing something wrong. And, and now we've, and because of that, we've created a culture that doesn't think there is anything wrong. Yeah. Um, and if there are negative consequences to our actions, it's not negative consequences to sinful actions. It's 
I should have the right to be able to do this. So if this if this is gonna if this behavior is going to come with some negative consequences, then I need somebody else to figure out a way to remove those consequences. Not we never talk about removing the behavior. We always talk about removing the consequences. And so we rely on big pharma to come up with pills. We rely on government to come up with programs. We rely on all these other systems, these worldly systems to combat the worldly influence that, that's in our lives. And all it does is ex- expound the problem. But, but, if, but if, we, if we never start with the fact that sin is rooted in us, then we'll never get to the idea that you know, maybe, there's a, maybe there's something outside of the world, something outside of the worldly systems that we actually need. Uh, to, to save us from ourselves, to save yeah. us from this. Yeah, that's really good. It, it's ironic too, because you're right. You know, when you start off with man is inherently good, um, but then you see these external, like they may not call it sin, but bad decisions, bad things, bad consequences and stuff. Um, when you think that it's just those external things that you need to fix, right. it, it's funny because you try to cover up the sin um, with good things, but it's rooted in pride. So you're covering sin with more sin right. to try to get rid of sin. And it's just an endless mm-hmm. cycle. Yeah. Um, which again, we know that sin doesn't begin with, it's not just an external decision. It's not even just in our minds. It's in our hearts. Right. And we can do nothing about that within ourselves and no one outside of us can even do it. Even like the monks that say their ultimate goal is to just make their mind empty. You're still right. in your pride. You're thinking you can make yourself good by right. getting rid of your own sin. And that's just not possible because it's a part of who we are in our hearts. I think, I think uh, even us as Christians, I think we, we all tend to, um, to not see the seriousness of sin and its impact on our lives. So you know, when we talk about those two, I agree with you completely. When we talk about those, those two different people, you know, some people are looking to worldly systems and some are looking uh, to Jesus. Uh, I think there's still a tendency to think, think, yes, I'm sinful, but, but, but really, you know, I'm not, I'm not as bad as him. So, right. So, so maybe I am, uh, you, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, they'll, they'll say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. Uh, and they might even, you know, acknowledge that, that, that is the root of who they are, but they're, they're still in their mind. They're still thinking I'm basically good. Right. You know, yeah. I'm still, you know, I, I think that we, we tend to fall into that trap. And I like what uh, Tripp says. We are utterly Disinclined, disabled, yes, and antagonistic to all that is good. We're wholly inclined to all that is evil, right? And we need to realize that that the the nature of sin in our lives is, is that that yes. we are like there is there is nothing good in us yeah. uh, apart from what Christ has given us. Yeah, we are antagonistic towards that which yeah. is good. I, I liked that that word mm. that he used there. And we are inclined, or you'll hear others use the word bent. Our bent is naturally mm-hmm. inclined toward. Sin, sin mm-hmm. and sinful behavior uh, be, because of that. And I would go so far, Daniel, as to say that sometimes we don't even say, we don't even admit we're sinners in those kind of discussions. We'll use a phrase, well, I know I'm not perfect. Yes. Right. But, but at least I'm not that guy. Yeah. I'm not you know? perfect, but. Right. And we play the comparison game uh, in that process. And as long as, as long as we're not last, then, then we'll, we'll be okay. You know, we're, we're mm. as long as we're as long as we're ahead of the curve. It's like it's like we wow. we want to think that God grades on a curve, right? Yeah, yeah the U.S. is a great nation because we're not Russia, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. Mm. And I hope that no one that comes on this campus and hears from us can leave and come to that conclusion that well, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not as good as that. Guy. Right. Like that's what we want to avoid at all costs is for you to think that you're any good at all just because. You're not the worst. Yeah. Christ you know. is the only comparison we need to be making. That's right. Right. That's exactly we fall, right. We fall right. utterly short of that. He is the one who sets the standard, period. 
No, yeah. no, none of us have the ability to set any kind of standard of righteousness because our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. But yeah. the righteousness of Christ in us is the standard that, that to which we are being conformed. Uh, but also in that, in that conforming, we are fighting spiritual battle. It's a, it's a spiritual war that takes place every day. Um, and, and I think, I do think that we, we lose the seriousness uh, of sin, that we dismiss some of it. Yeah. That again, and, and part of that is the whole, the whole concept of moralistic therapeutic deism, where God just wants us to behave. And, and, and even, even when we say that, we're thinking in terms of what we believe good behavior is. And we completely dismiss the concept of, of sin that, that, that destroys or deceives us, even in our understanding of what good behavior is. Um, I, I love what he opens this thing, man. It's just he drops the bombshell right in the second page or third. Yeah, second. You know, actually, it's a little bit, it's a little bit further in. Um, sin is the ultimate bomb, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Sin is the ultimate pandemic, infecting everyone, leaving everyone sick. Sin is the ultimate curse, sentencing everyone to death. Sin is the ultimate deceit telling you endless lies and making promises it can't keep. Sin is the ultimate interruption, changing the human story forever. That's really good. Man, he, I mean, he just drops that bomb on us and, and makes us think about how deeply affected we really are individually and, as, and in humanity, how deeply affected humanity is and has been by sin. Because I don't know if you guys have ever wondered this, but I, I just, you know, that story in Genesis 3 is so compellingly destructive when 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 we when the bible tells the story of how sin came into this world mm. and and every time i read it i find myself thinking don't eat it <laughs> don't don't eat the fruit don't, why did you do that you know and and it um and and it, because of the 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 ultimate historical implications of, of all that, that Eve gave into mm-hmm. um, in wanting to be like God, thinking that she could recreate um, her reality and that, that she could become what our culture has completely bought into, um, sovereign and autonomous. Yeah, he refers yep. to that as autonomous wisdom, I think. Uh, yes, yes. yes. so strong. But, but I mean, even, even when, you, when you hear of worldview today, I mean, everything, everything in our culture and the, the, the pushback that Christians get and a Christian worldview gets from a secular culture all boils down to autonomy. Yeah. Who has the right to choose for themselves? Or who, has the, who has the right to decide what is right and what is wrong in our culture will say every person is autonomous in that. And that's nothing new. The end of the book of judges, you, you know, yeah. um, everyone did what was right in their right. own eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love that he brings that out too, because so often when we hear the story of Eve eating the fruit, we focus on the fruit itself, right? I love this section from Genesis. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was de- uh, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And I hear people telling their kids all the time, like, yeah, Eve messed up by eating the fruit. But just bringing that out, like, the key uh, the key aspect there was the tree was desired to make one wise. And, again, Skylar brought it out. Paul Tripp calls that. It's not just wisdom, but it, it, she wanted autonomous wisdom. Autonomous she had a wisdom. perfect relationship with the one who yeah. is wisdom, but that wow. wasn't enough for her. Yeah. You know. He, he yeah. says right after that that, 
Eve's biggest problem wasn't the fruit; it was Eve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh my yeah. God. And our oh, biggest problem is right. It's not the fruit. It's it's, it's, it's us. us. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. gonna change the way that I tell my kids that story yes. because yes. if you focus on the fruit, it's like that's right, kids. So when an authority tells you to do something, just don't do it. It's like no, that the root of that again was not wasn't the fruit. Right. It was her. She wanted to be like God. She wanted to be like you said, right. autonomous. And so. and we've said that before. Um, we. We boast in our culture, in our society, being self-made people. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to be obligated to anyone. We don't want to be dependent right. on anyone. We take pride in being independent, um, and and or even non-dependent. Um, and so, and, and that's that's what God is the only self-sufficient being ever. Uh, and and but we think we can be self-sufficient, um, and that's because we again we don't want to be obligated to anyone. Even in our salvation, even when we put our trust in Christ, our hearts are so um, so tainted by sin and a sinful nature that we think that once we become Christians, then we can become self-sufficient. And we try to live out our Christianity in a self-sufficient, independent way um, because we misconstrue what freedom in Christ actually is. Mm -hmm. We redefine it based on our worldly views of of freedom. And so we, we, we try to live out the Christian life in our own strength. Yes, we get we're saved by grace because we need that because of our sinful nature. But then somehow we are, um, we're magically able to live out, uh, a righteousness in such a way that we can maintain our status yeah. in the covenant. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and our sinful nature keeps us from doing that. That's why, um, that's why Paul wrote in Romans seven. I, I think the way I interpret Romans seven is Paul struggling with the fact that he's, he doesn't do the things he's supposed to do and he does the things he's not supposed to do. Um, and he admits that he's just a wretched man, but, but then he, you know, thanks be to God for what Christ has done. Because even in that, even in that ongoing battle, um, we are dependent upon Christ and, and believers first and foremost should understand that. And we've said this before, the, 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 the biggest truth of, of sanctification is not our ability to obey, but Christ in being in Christ mm-hmm. and, and having Christ give us through Christ, we're, we're then able to obey. It, it, it's not, we're not self-sufficient in any way. Even when we become believers, we're not in, in, in anything. We come to the, we should come to the realization that we are more dependent upon God uh, than, than less dependent upon God yeah. in, in that process. Yeah. But that's what, that's what Eve wanted. Um, and, and, that's what, whenever I come back to the curse, and, and I think when we did Genesis, we talked a little bit about, about that um, when we got to Genesis 3, is, is what's, what's the real story behind all of this? And the real story behind all of this is, is being played out again in our culture t- today. Eve wanted to be independent. She wanted to be autonomous. She wanted to create her own reality, yeah. uh, wanted to create her own morality. And uh, I mean, we see that happening <laughs> even today, but we've seen it happen throughout the centuries of human history ever since Genesis yeah. 3. Man. We see all that in our church too. Yeah, in our churches, true. Yeah. We, we fall into the same traps, different in different ways, of course, than the culture around us. Right. Uh, but we still are prone to to think that we can do it on our own. Right. Without without God's sanctifying grace, or, right. And with without the church family that God has put us in, right. You know, we're we're here to walk with each other. We shouldn't yeah. think that we can handle it on our own. And even within the church, we talk a lot. We were actually talking about we talk about this in staff meetings often. Is is um, is uh, programming uh, well well just the, the solution to 
you know, uh, the health of our church is just a better program or a bigger mm-hmm. program. And, and the bottom line is, even in the context of the church, we have got to rely on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit Amen. in all of this stuff. Amen. And, and the, minute, the minute we stop depending on God in order to expand his kingdom, yeah. we've, just, we've just done exactly what Eve did. Yeah. And, and, but the problem is, is, is we're susceptible to doing that. I'm susceptible to doing that. I've said before, I can get so caught up in the work of the kingdom, putting systems and programs together that I forget that my primary responsibility is to love the people that God has entrusted to us. Yeah. Um, be, because that's, you know, because I, the only way I can do that is by being dependent. I can't do that in my own strength. Yeah. I have to depend on God in that. I can, I can put a spreadsheet together in my own strength. I can put a program together in my own strength. We can come up with all kinds of things that we could, we could do that will give the appearance of expanding the kingdom. But if, if, you know, what does, what does the, the psalmist say? If the Lord doesn't build it, if, mm. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> Makes me think of the, the hymn, All Glory Be to Christ. Yes. Um, can't remember. But... <laughs> Dang it. Man, the last man, part, man, uh, the last man. part is in vain. This the builder's track gold. Oh, so good. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've Dang got it. this great verse. David Dang has this great song. Oh, we man, never remember. Great. Here's the Jeopardy music, right? Here. Yeah. Thank you. So I don't, the way that one of the ways that I feel like this is is played out for me on a regular basis is how much uh, like in our weekly gatherings, there are so many times that after a sermon is preached and I'm, you know, I've heard the word of God and the word of God is always challenging, convicting, uh, illuminating to me of certain areas of my life or revealing sin in my, in my own heart, uh, where a lot of the time I'm thinking, okay, I think I'm good like this. I've, you know, I think I'm good with this. Mm. Um, and I, that's just not how, I mean, like every, every week, I mean, I, feel like I should be at the steps, <laughs> like yeah. asking the Lord, yeah. like, please, you know, the, uh, confessing my, my sin to him and asking him to continue to, you know, certain areas that I feel like I'm good at help me to continue like the, right. help that to still be the case. Um, but yeah, it's just every week there's such an opportunity there for us as believers that um, in our gatherings and even outside of our gatherings as well, it's just having that dependence on the Lord and everything that we do. Absolutely. I love the line that he has in in the next chapter in application. I don't want to skip ahead, but when you recognize and confess the damage that sin has done to your life, nothing is more wonderful to you. Right. Than the rescuing power of divine grace. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, when we, when we recognize our sin in light of who God is, then nothing is, you know, I, I, I think of how wonderful, how marvelous is my my yeah. song shall ever be more than the grace that we sing about? Like those are that that's just <clears throat> the rescuing power of divine grace. Absolutely. And I'll give I'll give Mike a chance to read the psalm that he's found. But but before that, I found the lyrics of the song. And I love it because as Christians, we're supposed to be dependent people. Like that's just a part of who we are. But it's like you said in our churches and everything, we try to do everything in our own strength. And I love. Singing this, it's convicting every time I sing it. It says, should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does raise the house in vain, its builders strive. Yeah, that was the verse, Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Mm. Nice. You guys play in that. 
to forget it yeah. that, and then mold it together. Yeah, that was, but it was interesting that our thoughts went to those yeah. those lyrics and those verses because because that's really what we get what what I think our our society and our culture has gotten caught up in this. I mean, look look at the 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 what Hollywood produces with regard to either utopian or dystopian movies. It, it's all about human effort and gaining freedom in a dystopian uh, type setting or human effort in building a utopia, something that, that can be controlled by human systems that will bring equality to everyone, that will bring paradise on earth. And, um, and so we, we, the reason Hollywood produces those things is because those things are attractive to us. Yeah. And, and so that's, we think that we can eat from the tree Here's what I find ironic about this whole thing, by the way. And I, I've said this before, but, but through Eve, humanity has eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We've eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and yet we can't tell the difference between the two. Yeah. Um, you, would think, yeah. you would think that if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'd be, defined, be able to define each one. But because, because sin corrupts us so thoroughly, we have to side with and, and this is hard for us to get our minds right. It's like trying to convince a fish that he's wet, trying to convince sinful people that they're sinful when they're knee deep in that sin that stems from a heart that is, according to the prophet Jeremiah, wicked and deceitful above yeah. all things. Who can understand it? We can't. We can't under, Which is why, we can't understand our hearts. Which is why, um, you know, as much as I like watching my grandchildren watch Disney movies, the 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 whole concept of follow your heart is a really, really, that would be really bad advice uh, in, a, in a really horrible way to develop a worldview in your children. It's for them it to happens follow their all hearts. the time now. Right. right. Yeah. That's actually why I like the movie Coco so much. Yeah. Because in that movie, he follows his dreams. He follows his heart. He leaves his family. Right. And it leads him to like sadness. Right. And he finds out that his hero that he thought was a hero was actually the villain. Right. And at the end of the movie, it's him coming back to his family and like his desire, his heart literally led him to. Right. To death and right. to like. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. And that's what I, it's one. Of, it's one of the only Disney movies that I've seen where that's been the, the storyline is that he follows his heart and it, he doesn't get what he wants. Like he gets, he sees evil and, yeah. and, and the whole thing. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's so backwards in our culture. I, I see more and more children, teenagers and adults as well. But just this whole self-love movement has turned into, I put myself first. Yeah. Like I'm caring about myself first. Like no one's more important to me than me. Like I see it yeah. all the time everywhere. Uh, and Paul Tripp's got an interesting quote here. It says, when love of self replaces love for God, there is no end to the evil that will result started with Eve Man. and we, we see it all around us today, but that's the thing. While we are warning our children as much as we can against that, right. Replacing love of God with love of self. We've got other people in the same city that are doing the complete opposite right. of that. Right. And everything in our culture is doing the right. opposite of that. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is what, what makes it so frustrating sometimes is, is we only get maybe two hours or three hours at the most yeah. to in, instill that kind of truth in our children. And 
the world gets them the rest of the time, which is why I think our philosophy of, of children's ministry and next-gen ministry overall is so, so important, is that we are not the primary disciple makers yeah. and, and, or, or even teachers for our, our children yeah. um, because, because we only get them for a limited amount of time. But parents, yep. they, they have the ability to speak into the lives of their children even more so than the culture, if they would just take the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to our next-gen guys. You guys are amazing. Boast in the Lord. I love the, uh, the, the parallel he draws here. Uh, our sinfulness really is uh, spiritual adultery. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I love oh, man, how he, he brings hard. that into this, this first chapter because, yeah, it hurts. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's, why that's I, what it is. Yeah, I get wrecked every time I read James. Yeah, because James, I mean, James just calls, calls him out. And when, and I'm thinking, man, he's really calling out that church, that congregation. I'm like, wait, wait. (laughs) I think he's calling out me. He's calling me out too. Come on, James. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, he does. He goes into that. It's it's spiritual adultery Hmm. because we replace a love of God, a love of something else. And usually it's love of self. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's a good thing, if it's not, if it's not God, it becomes, that becomes a bad thing. Right. If you're, if you're right, if your love for your children is all, all that you have, you're not going to love your children. Well, Mm, man, that's really good. That is really good. And that is really hard to get our minds around. That's hard to convince people of is that it it is hard to convince husbands of that, that your primary, your prime, your first and foremost love has got to be Christ because if it's not, then you'll never love your wife the way you should be loving her. Mm. Um, And that, that's hard for us to get our minds around. But I could always tell, you know, in the 35 years of marriage um, that, that uh, I've enjoyed with Judy, if we ever got sideways um, during those times, and there have been times when we'd be sideways with each other, I, I could almost always, every time, look back and realize that my problem was not with Judy. My problem yeah. was in my walk with the Lord. Yeah. Wow. I, it, those, those times... Those times when we were struggling in our marriage were always those times when I was not delighting in God. And, yeah. uh, and so, so if I'm going to fix, I'm going to fix my marriage or if I'm going to fix a particular problem in that marriage, my first, my go-to has got to be delighting in God and his word, because that, that's the only place, that's the only place we can fix those things. Wow. Um, but again, the, the world wants to turn, um, it, the world convinces us to turn to other things, um, if we even want to or need to fix it, uh, the world will say now just trade it in. Exactly. That's <laughs> what know? I was thinking is they just, you know, just give up on yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's we, not working out. Right, try again. Yeah. We live in a throwaway world, you know, yeah. disposable world. And, um, and, and so, but, but there are things that, that that's why we talk about even, even in like marriage counseling and those kind of things, you know, the marriage can bring happiness to us, but that's not the ultimate goal of marriage. The ultimate goal of marriage is not happiness. The ultimate goal of marriage is holiness, and 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 um, and I and I think that 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 I, I think that's in the application uh, chapter. But but one of the things that I was thinking about as, as I was reading that and and the and the, the impact of sin in our marriages, um, God designed marriage and gave us the concept of oneness because that is the antidote to selfishness, that selfishness that is wired into our, the, the DNA of, of sin, the, the antidote to that selfishness is oneness. When you are married, God brings us into a marriage so that we learn what it's supposed to look like to think of someone other than ourselves. 
and, and develop a oneness. And again, when marriages get sideways, why do they get sideways? Because one or both get selfish. Um, and, and so, so that's why in, even in the church community and in Christ community and, and in Christ, Paul says in Philippians 2, 4, let, let's think of others yeah. before ourselves. Let's not think too highly of ourselves. Let's, let's put others first. Um, and so, so you've got, you've got marriage, which is the, the, the oneness in marriage is the antidote to selfishness, um, which is also in Ephesians five, a picture of the gospel that now translates to the church where Christ and his bride are seeking, you're seeking oneness with Christ, which is the antidote to selfishness, even in the life of, of a believer individually in Christ. And then the life of believers gathered in the church. Um, and, and so, so that's why God puts us into a community so that we learn how to think of others first. Yeah. You can't, Man. it's impossible to think, to learn how to put others first. If you're not engaged with others, if you're not in relationship with others. Amen. Um, and that's why I, I think too, you, we mentioned earlier, monast- you know, monks and monasteries, pa- part of, part of the mon- monastical, monastic, monastic movement. Thank you. Uh, part of the monastic movement was, um, was to withdraw from society, withdraw from culture. Let's get off of the, by, by ourselves. And maybe if we don't say anything, and maybe if we just live on our own, then, then we, could, we could be sanctified. We could sanctify ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, but, but we, could, we could at one years old be dropped off on a deserted island with nobody around and grow up somehow, magically grow up. We would still be sinful people. Right. Even though there's nothing around to tempt us, we would still, we would still be, we would still be sinful, uh, uh, selfish people. Yeah. Because it's, it's in our hearts. It's not, it's not something forced on us by society or by our education. Um, it's something that is inside of us that, that society and education, all of that just, just helps to, to, uh, perpetuate. Yeah, absolutely. It's easy to make a blanket statement about how sin affects everything, but the first few paragraphs of his chapter, Sin in Everyday Life, talking about imagining a world without sin, Jeez, I was dude. just overwhelmed reading yeah. this. Like, if you want to think about how sin infests everything in our world, think about your marriage without sin, society without sin, your mind without sin, parenting without, with sin not being present. It's just like insane. It wasn't just the first couple of paragraphs. It was the first, the first two pages. Yeah. yeah. First two full pages. Imagine, 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 you know, it's insane. Yeah. And, and, and what was going through my mind in this was that John Lennon song. Imagine doesn't come anywhere close there. He's trying to imagine all this great stuff in the world. And mm-hmm. none of that comes close yeah. to imagining what Paul Tripp calls us to imagine yeah. in this chapter of, of sin yeah. in everyday life. Yes. I wish I could, put the whole this whole section in like our notes or something you just to need to buy that. the book and read the read pages 279 to 281 Absolutely. it will wreck you yes <laughs> buy the book do you believe by paul david Trump. that's right it, like at the same time as me feeling extremely humbled by those the imagined sections yeah the same time it just made me so hopeful because the mm. promise that we have yeah like the world that he is telling us to imagine, we will one day yep. yes. experience yes. together Absolutely. in right. community, in relationship with the church right. and with Christ and God. Right. Like that just. If there was a way to keep <laughs> this imagine section in front of people, mm. 
you know, moving us and inspiring yeah. us to live with urgency yeah. for the gospel, saying this, this is what we're coming to. This is where we're headed. This is what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. This is what we need to be striving for every day. Yes. Right. Knowing that ultimately it will be fulfilled in perfection and in its fullness. Absolutely. It makes me feel so ridiculous settling <laughs> yes. for the pleasures that yes. I think are going right. to fulfill. Yeah. When I read this, I'm like, wow. Like the, the things yeah. that we settle for in yes. our selfishness yes. are so ridiculous. It's lame. So, yes, absolutely. C.S. Lewis said, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the, the quote, but he basically said that we settle for making mud pies yes. in, in, <laughs> in puddles when, when we could be doing something else. Yeah. That was, yeah. I forget, I forget right. Way better than mud pies. Yeah, yeah. way better. <laughs> Some, whatever it is that's way better than mud yeah. pies. Mm, so. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a good word. I think something helpful for the believer, honestly, like thinking about this doctrine is just every morning praying Psalm 51, like search me, O God, and know my heart, reveal to me any wicked way in me. He makes mention after all the imagine section, he makes mention of I'm afraid that we uh, what should deeply disturb us doesn't disturb us at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm afraid that what (laughs) what was never meant to to be has become what we now expect. I'm afraid that things that should get our attention and break our hearts are so routine that they barely get our attention anymore. I'm afraid that we learn to live as, alongside of what we should mourn and abhor. I'm afraid that the presence of sin in us and around us is so familiar that it doesn't make us afraid and sad as it should. Right. He's exactly right. And I mean, to me, I'm, I'm thinking Psalm 51 in there, like yeah. reveal these things to me so that I, I mean, I, I don't want to make sin so, uh, familiar and okay right. in my life. That Psalm 51 was always my go-to scripture because I like to pray scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah. that was always my go-to in preparation for communion. And even if I don't read it corporately, when I'm prepping for communion in my own heart, this yeah. Psalm is going through, through my yes. head yeah. um, for him yeah. to create in me a clean heart and let this communion be an expression of my desire to, to live for him and for his glory, yeah. to live in obedience to his commands, yeah. knowing that the only way that can happen is if God does a work in my heart. Yeah. Along those same lines, here's that, that C.S. Lewis quote. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Wow. That's that's what sin does to us. And here's the thing. We don't even realize it. We don't even know that we don't know (laughs) because we are far too easily pleased. Mm. And we would rather settle for the saddest, the temporal satisfactions that the world has to offer than to strive for and gaze upon the fullness of the riches and heavens that God has offered us. Mm. Why I love this doctrine so much is because, because it hurts so deep. And like the quote that you read earlier from Tripp's book of, it makes it so much like it makes his love and his grace and his sacrifice so yes. much more sweet. Absolutely. And I, I don't necessarily like, you know, being introspective and seeing just how, you know, rotten I am yeah, in my sin and yeah. apart from Christ. And, but, but the fact that as believers, we don't stop there. Like we're not filthy rags anymore when you're in Christ. 
He makes you white as snow. And, and this, the truth, like the, the simple, like sweet truth of the gospel is magnified. Yes. When you look at the doctrine of sin. That's right. right. Because it's while we were his enemies. Right. Right. Christ died for us. Yes, absolutely. And just, oh man, it just, it, oh, it, like you used the word overwhelmed. I'm reading this dude. And I am just, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. I'm just overwhelmed. If we don't believe in the doctrine of sin, then we have, then we have diminished yes. the work of the cross. We have. Yeah. And, and, and completely uh, make it, yeah, we've rendered, rendered it unnecessary. Useless. Yes, yes. Unnecessary. Useless. We we will only have so high a view of Jesus and His cross and His grace as we do a low view of sin. Yes. Right. So if you Amen. if your view of sin is that it's just bad, but it's not that big of a deal, then your view of the gospel is going to be that it's good, it's cool. Yeah. But how important <laughs> yeah. is it really? You know that. And we, I think, as we're sanctified, our view of sin should just become more. We should add weight as we go on. It should get lower and lower, and we should see ourselves rightly so that we can see God rightly. And Amen. that's should, again, that should be our prayer every day. Like Psalm 51 mm-hmm. makes that so, mm-hmm. so real to us as yeah. well. Paul Tripp always likes to remind me of what a terrible parent I am. <laughs> yes. So, um, yes. so let me give you this line here. Sadly, many Christian parents lack a biblical theology of sin, uh, so that they reduce Christian parenting down to a careful system of managing and controlling the behavior of their children. Their parenting is a daily system of law, judgment, and punishment. Without knowing it, they have placed their hope in a system that contradicts the gospel that they say they hold dear. Right. And how often do I fall into law, judgment, and punishment with my kids? Yeah. Thankfully, God doesn't treat me that way. Right. Yeah. Man. Another thing that was convicting to me, I don't know exactly where it is, but when he was talking about when you have issues with other people in your life, we so often think it's them. They're the source of it. And we never look inside. Yeah. Um, your biggest problem in life is not your spouse, neighbor, friend, parent, children, church, culture, government, none of those things. Your biggest problem lives inside of you. Mm. Really convicting. Oh yeah. Because we, I can justify myself so easily looking at the flaws in other people and blaming my issues with them on them without looking inside and remembering the grace that God showed me when I was his enemy, when I was a sinner. So how can I not love these people in my life? Yeah. Something that I thought was helpful, but hard at the same time, um, was, was him making mention of the helpfulness of others speaking into your life as well. And why we need other brothers and sisters too. The the hard part of this is (laughs) we don't want anybody to tell us what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Um, but he, he, Tripp makes mention this line here. We need instruments of seeing in our lives. We need others' eyes to help us see what we cannot see. You may be convinced that no one knows you better than you know yourself, but that's just not true. And so having other people around you that can, um, reveal to you some of those blind spots or sin that might be in your life is very helpful. We don't, they're blind spots for a reason. Cause we don't see right. them. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so for, to have people around you that can help you see those things is really helpful yeah. that, <laughs> I mean, I'm not very good at that. I mean, no, I, I mean, I don't know who, I mean, any of anybody that's just going around asking like, Hey, what's my blind spots? <laughs> I mean, yeah. cause nobody, you don't want to know those things, yeah. but right. it can be yeah. a, a helpful practice that, 
nobody really wants to yeah, do. Absolutely. But I think it could be I could think it could be very helpful in just knowing some sin that might be in your life. Mm-hmm. Something I've tried to put into place to guard me from sin and and temptation is to have, you know, a couple buddies who will just randomly you know, they'll call me or they'll text me and just ask me how I'm doing, what sin I'm struggling with and, and whatnot. But another one of their jobs is to call me on my crap. And, you know, when I'm like, oh, man, I'm doing real good. I'm fine. Yeah, doing good. And they ask me a second time, no, no, like, how are you? Mm-hmm. And th- th- they dig deeper into it because they're going to be the ones who see, um, like you said, like they – they do know me better than I know myself, and they're going to be able to point out sin in my life. And I, I really try to have people like that. Now, I'm going to get mad, <laughs> like when someone calls me on stuff, but I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to be like, oh, geez. Yeah. Like, I really messed up. And I pray that God, you know, brings me to conviction and not bitterness. But I, I really I, – I need people like that because – I'm sinfully wired to think I'm good, you know, like mm-hmm. right. I'm 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 doing great. You know, I'm not <laughs> it's literally what we talked about earlier, like I'm not killing nobody. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. right. We, we, like, it's so subtle, but like it just yeah. shifts like oh, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why we're so begrudging when we do ask people to point out our blind spots right. and why yeah. we never want to. Paul Tripp says in another book, Dangerous Calling, that we all have an inner lawyer mm. because that's just our <laughs> yes. constant state is trying yeah. to justify that's ourselves. That's right. Trying like, to justify Wow, ourselves. that's good. And, and to correct, I mean, I said Psalm 51 and I quoted Psalm 139 and search me, oh God. But again, Psalm 139 is also <laughs> yes. when, I mean, thinking about other people, but also asking the Lord to reveal those things in your heart as well is, is a helpful practice to put in place often. Mm-hmm. Search me, oh God, know my heart. I mean, he's, if we think about, you think you may be the one who knows you best. There's nobody else better right. that's going to know you fully except for the Lord. Right. So let's Amen. take it to him. In addition to some of those other helpful practices, yeah. but Amen. let's ask the Lord to search us and create a clean heart in us. Yeah. yeah. Amen. I, I do think that our our understanding of this doctrine, I think we've said it earlier, the, the more you realize the truthfulness of this doctrine, the the higher, the the more we realize the, the glory of God yes. and his forgiveness um, and the work that he did at the cross. Um, and, and I think as, as believers, uh, we can be susceptible to not recognizing. We can lose the intensity of what Christ was doing. At, I don't know if that's the right word. The intensity of what Christ was doing at the cross for us. Because, like you said, John Seth, we, we kind of, we've accepted Christ. We've embraced the cross. We're walking with him, and we're good. Mm. We're, we're kind of good. Um, but Jesus, you know, I always come back to this this story um, that's told in a couple of the Gospels in a couple of different contexts. So we, we don't want to get into the, the the whole exposition or the exegesis of it. But there's a, a, a woman. Jesus is at the house of Simon. Um, and some Pharisees are around. The religious people. They think they're good. Um, and, um, uh, and, and, and so... The, this this woman comes in and she starts to anoint the feet of Jesus and all the people around are kind of judging her for that um, because of who this woman was and the sin that they all knew that she had in her past. And, um, and, and Jesus says this, um, 
when they're, they're judging him, um, Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. He says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When he had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Mm. And Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Mm. And he said to them, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon. So I like this. He's looking at the woman, and he's, but he's, he's turning to the woman, but he's looking at Simon or saying to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Uh, Now, what Jesus is saying is the, the more you recognize your need for forgiveness, the more you will love Wow. What he's done for us. That's the God we worship. Yes. Yes. Mm. Now, and and the thing is, 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 is because Simon thought that he was good. Jesus said, the the love that you show me is just going to be very little because you don't realize your need for forgiveness. But this woman whose sin is, I mean, this should be encouraging to us Mm. and it should cause us to really wrestle with, the sinfulness that is in us, because the more we wrestle and weep over the sinfulness that is in us, the stronger the gospel comes, comes to us, the gospel of forgiveness, the, the more we are aware of the forgiveness of Christ in us. And I think, the, I think that, and I'll just speak for myself, I think that I am so inclined to forget because of my, because of the grace of God and because of the salvation he's already extended, because of what I've already experienced in my own sanctification, I sometimes don't take my sin seriously enough. I have to ask myself often, when was the last time I wept over my sin and my acts of violence against the nature of God? I was just thinking that in my head. When was the last time I weeped over my sin? Right. Be, because and, and that's and that I think is what we we call people to, you know. Skyler mentioned our our corporate gatherings earlier and the response time and how there are just times when I feel I need to be on my knees at those steps. Sometimes it's it's because God is affirming what what He's He's done for me, and He's affirming that. I've wrestled with my sin and I've experienced that. Sometimes it's because I need to wrestle with my sin yeah. and I need to confess those things to him and I need to be on my face before him uh, weeping over that so that I will experience his love at deeper levels than I can ever possibly imagine. But the only way we experience that, that love for Christ is when we come to the reality of the price that was paid for the sin that we so randomly just dismiss as bad behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and, and so I, I, that's kind of that, that passage that I read from, by the way, is in Luke chapter seven, yeah. uh, the end of the, the chapter. But that story is told and again, in different contexts and in different ways throughout the gospels, but it's there for a reason. Yeah. Um, because Thank you for I, reading that even now, I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm over here <laughs> brought to tears, just thinking yeah. about that. And as you're reading it, I, I mean, the lines of our sins, there are many, his right. mercy is more yes. praise the Lord. Yeah. His mercy is more is, are going through my mind. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, it, all in anticipation of that day that we, we look forward to in that what, third verse of it as well. Mm. My sins, not in part, yep. but the whole. Mm-hmm. The nailed to the cross. I bear them no more. Praise the Lord. Yeah, mm. it is well. So, um, that verse needs to be chanted. Man. It's in full voice. Yeah. Always Gosh. ready for a good chant. That's right. So you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bro, in Scotland, all they do is chant. Yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah. they do, man. They don't seem to yell. I don't know of anything better to end on, Mike. Dang. Yeah. I know. Seriously. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Where do we go from there? That was, yeah. to that was awesome. That's where we go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man. Yeah, man, we, y'all always, like, you consistently come up with a better song to end. <laughs> Joy to the world, though. That was a good, that that was yeah, a good no, stanza, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he, he ends it with, with Joy to the world. Wait. No what more let song. sins or sorrows grow. No thorns infest the ground. That's right. It's Yeah. Yeah, the reverse of the curse. To, yep. Yeah, he comes to make We should sing it all year long. I don't know what we're doing. No, yeah. seriously. Man, I'm I know. Man. I know it's not a Christmas song. Thanks for joining us for Coffee Rants and All Things Christian. Don't forget the form on our website where you can send us questions at pbclc.com slash podcast. Side note, it really helps me out because I'm bad with coming up with banter topics. So help a brother out. Please follow or subscribe to us and leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next time.